please turn with me to the second book of the Bible, Exodus, page 94, Brown Pew Bible, Exodus chapter 28. We've looked at the object lessons of the furniture in the tabernacle. Last week, the sacrifice, picturing the Lord Jesus. And this morning, we're going to look at the priesthood. So, people of God in the old days had the... uh, sacrificial system where there was the priest, the sacrifice, the altar, the furniture, and it was all pointing ahead. We have object lessons that we see every day. The eight-sided stop sign or um, an arrow of some kind on a sign. We have signs all over the place. and we We have object lessons and ways in which we can uh, understand how we drive or how we're to uh, behave ourselves. Uh, And we also have, as we see here, the clothing of the high priest uh, indicated the kind of work that he was doing and what, what his clothing represented. Often we find that what a person wears is is uh, showing us what the profession might be. Uh, if you see a, a badge on someone's uniform, uh, time to behave ourselves. Or if you see someone in camouflage, they might be going out into the woods to hunt. Or you might see someone dressed in a white robe. Um, hopefully they're not carrying us off to the... Psychiatric ward, but they may be a nurse or a doctor or somewhere else, or, or overalls ready to change oil and get mud or get black oil all over your face like I did the other day. I try to be as clean as possible, and poor Tanya, she still has to pick up oil off the, off the garage floor. But we also find all kinds of you see a you see a, a military person in the kind of uniform that they might wear. So we find that what a person wears often indicates their profession, the kind of work that they're doing. Well, that was so in the the garments of the high priest. We might call them, as you see here, there's a a, a picture that we've given the folks here in the congregation, a, a facsimile of a of a, the high priest in Israel, they were his vestments or his regalia, if you will, his uniform as a priest. And I'd just like to read a few verses in the beginning of chapter 28. There were eight pieces of clothing, if you will, eight pieces of his regalia that are mentioned in the 28th chapter. Six of them are mentioned in verse 4, but beginning with verse 1, and take thou unto the Aaron thy brother, so this is Moses' brother Aaron, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. 
And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt speak all, unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And these are the garments which they shall make. A breastplate. You might see that in your, in your diagram, in your picture. A breastplate and an ephod and a robe and a broidered coat, a mitre or a turban or crown, and a girdle or belt. And they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his, and his, and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And they shall take gold and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen. And they shall make the ephod of gold and of blue and of purple and of scarlet and fine twine linen with cunning work. And so goes the reading of God's Word in, in the introduction to the priests receiving their regalia, their uniform, if you will, their vestments. All these are object lessons, we believe, of the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews is the book that um, interprets the object lessons of the Old Testament. The Bible speaks of the Lord Jesus, God's Son, as the prophet, the priest, and the king. The prophet is the one who reveals God's Word preaches God's Word to the people to know what God's will is. The king is the one who saves his people and protects them from their enemies. The priest is the one that intercedes between God and man. The priest is the one that offers sacrifices. And uh, obviously the fact that the priest exists means that there's something wrong between God and man. In other words, man is, is broken God's laws. If you see a policeman behind you with his lights uh, on, pulling you over, you figure there's something wrong, that I did something that, that uh, broke the law. And to see a priest in the midst of his people, now again, back up, see a prophet, God is giving his people his word. To see a king means that the king is ruling and he's there over the army to make sure that the people are protected and secure. But to see a priest meant, you know, he's representing God to man and man to God. And there's the fact that he has to come between God and man means there's something wrong for me, to me, you know, in me and spiritually. He's wanting to work, his work is to reconcile man with God, as it were. His work is to bring man back into fellowship with God by the labor that he's doing. Just like many of the professions. You know, someone who's, who's uh, uh, working on a truck is wanting to make sure that that truck is going to be usable and, 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 uh, and helpful in, in the, in the uh, profession of that business. The policeman is making sure that we're getting in line with the law. The nurse and the doctor are making sure that their labor is that we are brought back to health. And the priest was there to, to signify that God was offended by sin, but that He was providing someone that would bring them back, bring us back into fellowship with Him. If there was no priest, there would be no fellowship with God, as it were. 
if God had, had not sent Christ, then we have no hope because we've fallen into sin. The whole human race would be like the, the, the angels that fell. No hope. But the fact that God sent Jesus, the high priest, means that God is interested to save people from our sins and to bring us back into fellowship with Him. So this message is about Christ being our high priest, the highest of priests. Now, the fact is that Jesus cannot be symbolized by one sign. There's so many object lessons about Jesus in the Bible that teaches of His manifold work. It's kind of like Jesus is the fireman and the policeman and the doctor. He's everything. And so you have a lot of metaphors, a lot of object lessons in the Bible about Jesus. You have the Lamb of God, the Lamb. You have the altar. You have the priest. Uh, you have the bread and the fruit of the vine. You have all kinds of, of object lessons. And you know, object lessons are good. They're, they're helpful. A picture is worth a thousand words, so to speak. Jesus is, is the priest. He offers Himself as a sacrifice. He's also the sacrifice. He offered Himself. He died. He wasn't the priest just taking a, a lamb. He was, the, he was the priest going to Mount Calvary, the cross of Calvary, and getting on the cross, as it were. So He was not only the priest, He was the offering, but He was also the altar in a sense, the, the cross was the altar. That's the place where He suffered. But the cross didn't feel any suffering. The wrath of God was not on the tree, piece of wood. The wrath of God fell upon Jesus. The altar is what took the fire. And the animal was put on the fire. But Jesus was the one that took the fire. So He's the priest, He's the offering, and He's the altar. That's the amazing thing about our salvation, it's all wrapped up in the Lord Jesus. And I know sometimes it's very hard to wrap our minds around these things because there's so many pictures. So we take one at a time, as it were, but they're very significant. And uh, the Lord is, is telling us that, look, this is my beloved Son. Here's where your salvation lies, in the priest, in the sacrifice, in the altar, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the altar. Jesus is the high priest. Aaron was just a picture of Christ. Aaron was, was, was a sinner. He had to, when he, remember last week, the priest pressed down upon the head of the animal. And the, 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 the weight of the, of the priest upon the head and the offerer said, My guilt is being transferred to this innocent victim. And then, then when the innocent victim died, the innocent, the lamb, the bull, the goat, the bird, whatever it was, depending if the person was rich, middle class, or poor, they were saying, this animal is dying in my place. This is a substitute. And Jesus is our substitute. Jesus is the only one that could die in our place and save us. Aaron had his own problems. Jesus didn't have to put His hand upon a victim. He had no sin of His own. All the guilt fell upon Him. Our guilt fell upon Him. He had no guilt. He had no sin. If He had one sin, we don't have a perfect sacrifice and therefore we, don't, we can't be saved. That's why I was, people say, why didn't God just send Jesus as an adult like Adam and just die right away? Why did He have to live 30 years 
and then died. Well, that 30 years was a probationary period, if you will. It was showing that he didn't have an easy job at it to be our perfect sacrifice. He had to be tempted. He had to be tried. He had to be lied to. He had to be hurt. He had to, he had to endure all the afflictions that you and I do. And time after time after time, he never sinned in thought, word, and deed. And even Pilate, you remember, said, I find no fault in this man. Pilate said that three times. Even Pilate's wife, remember, came to him and said, I had a nightmare about this man in my dream. He's a just man. Don't have anything to do with him. Don't punish this man. And so, as it were, like they were inspecting the sacrifices, they found no, they had to make sure there was no blemish, obvious blemish or problem with the sacrifice. A picture that Jesus was a perfect sacrifice in our place. And so this, this priest is a picture of Jesus. The priest is God's agent to execute the way of salvation by the death of a sacrifice for, us, for the sins against the Holy God. And that's a simple way of, of describing the priest. So if, if a fireman came in here, we'd think, well, there must be a fire or smoke somewhere. Or if a policeman came in here right now, we would know right away why they're there. And when Israel saw the priest walking among them, now he had to wear these, these, this regalia everywhere he went. Obviously, they had to wash it because he was, he was there when the blood was being splashed and as he was sprinkling the blood. But he went in and out among the people with his beautiful... And this, doesn't do, this does not do very, very well as far as how sparkling his uniform was. He had 12 jewels or gems in his chest area. He had a, two huge onyx stones on his shoulders. His, his, uh, his vest, and we'll look at these, was of, of blue and, and purple and scarlet. Speaking of him, the, Christ being the king and, and scarlet and, and uh, purple are, the, are blue and red mixed together the fact that he's king and he's a sacrifice. The king of kings came down to sacrifice himself. This all was to picture something about Jesus. So first of all, the Bible says that Aaron and the priests were to be taken among the children of Israel, verse 1. The Bible indicates that Jesus came from the line of Judah, the tribe of Judah. He was David's descendant. In other words, he was from among the children of Israel. He was called by God. He didn't take upon him the nature of angels. He didn't come to save fallen angels. The Bible indicates that if God's Son had become an angel, He could have, as it were, died for angels. So there was a choice to be made. Was God going to save any fallen angels or any fallen human beings? He could have just left Angels like he did, the devil and his demons, he could have left them fallen. They have no desire to be saved. Matter of fact, they're, they're enemies of God. And he could have left the whole human race to perish. We fell. God didn't cause us to fall. And, and God didn't have to send his son to become an angel or a man. Isn't it an amazing thing? 
I mean, it's staggering. It should stagger us to think that the God of heaven sent His Son, who's willing. He didn't force Him. The Son was, was willing to come. It says here that they were to offer voluntarily their offerings. Jesus voluntarily offered Himself. He had to become a man. And so the, the iron girder had just a wire, as it were, welded to it. The, 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 the divine Son of God became man. And forever now He's both God and man. It's just, it sounds like science fiction. It is science and it's non-fiction. It's the truth. It's a truth. It's a staggering truth that God would become human flesh and die in my place. There was no other option to save sinners. God can't just say, go ahead, I'll I'll let you into heaven. That would be like us saying to a murderer, go ahead and go back on the street. Crime has to be punished. And the greatest crime that's ever been committed is a crime against God for me to lie against His law covet and lust and worship another God all these are crimes against the God of the universe and He has a prison just like we have prisons why should He not? I mean our prisons are as it were, we're imitating the fact that we punish criminals because God punishes criminals but Jesus came to be punished as a criminal, to save us criminals from sin. That's amazing. He was taken from among men. He wasn't from outer space. He wasn't an alien. He was a man. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. Now, he was born of the Virgin Mary. He, was, he, had, he, was, he, he had, in a sense, no human father. But he was from Adam. The Holy Spirit hovered over Mary to make sure that there was no sin that was transferred to Jesus. So he had an immaculate conception and he had an immaculate birth. He had an immaculate life. The Lord Jesus. The Bible says in verses 2 and 40 that these garments were for glory and for beauty, for dignity and honor. I mean, they were glorious. They were sparkling. Wherever the high priest went, it's kind of like when you see a you know, soldier with a clean uniform. You know, you just look and it's, it sparkles. You know, you honor a, a Navy. You think of a Navy person with that white uniform and how beautiful it is and sparkling. And, or you see a policeman. We should look at policemen with, with dig, they're dignified. They're, they risk their lives every day. We should look at a a trooper passing by and salute them and thank them for their labor. See, a fireman, they sweat and, and, and get in harm's way. How often? We should salute these people and, and be there to help. You know, what is it? We just kind of token gestures to give baked goods once a year. We should be doing it ten times a year, fifty times a year. We should be honoring them. But here was Aaron. And as he went in and, out, in and around the people, they, they were just amazed. The, the, the sun shone on the twelve jewels and on the onyx stones. They may not have been black. There's onyx that are also red and white and so on. But just the sparklingness. He had the golden um, plate on his turban of pure gold. His vest was, had woven 
gold in it. So it was, it was heavy, but it was glorious. The blue in his garments. He had, he had bells on the bottom and the hem of his garden, he, garment, and he had pomegranates, which were kind of like the size of oranges. Speaking of his fruitfulness, just everything about him was glorious, sparkling. What a picture of Jesus for glory and for beauty. And yet we, we, we know that when He went to the cross, there was no beauty that we should behold Him. He was, it was gory and not glory. When they put that crown of thorns upon His head, and they had beaten Him to a pulp previous to that. He was, he was before the gauntlet of soldiers and one after another they were punching Him. But He was suffering that to show us the seriousness of sin and the seriousness of God's wrath. But you know, when He rose from the dead, He was sparkling. The high priest came forth. Unlike the animal that was mangled and burned up on the altar, Jesus, who had been mangled, who had burned on the altar, as it were, suffering the wrath of God as a lightning rod, uh, saving us from the lightning of God. He took the lightning like the lightning rod should. But He came forth sparkling, raised from the dead, and they saw Him. Many witnesses saw Him. One person, two people, several people, twelve, five hundred at once. There wasn't a mirage. Jesus is for glory and beauty. The Bible says in verse 3 that they are to be consecrated to the Lord that is set aside. And Jesus, you remember when, when He was baptized, was shown to be set aside by God for the role that He was to play. The Holy Spirit came upon Him at His baptism and the Father spoke. So you have the Father, Son, and Spirit there. But verses 4 and 17, part of His regalia was called the breastplate. Or, well, let's start with the ephod, verses 4 and 6. Ephod was a... a a sleeveless vest. And it had, verse 12, two stones upon the shoulders. They were large enough in that all the children of Israel were, the names of the tribes of Israel were, were uh, um, etched, what would we call it, engraved upon those stones according to their birth, we're told. And so you started with Reuben and, and, and you went down Six, and then Benjamin was the last one on the other shoulder. And this ephod or vest was of gold and was, therefore, somehow they had to beat, and I speak as a fool, beat the gold so it's so thin to be you know, woven in. I, I, I can't, I, I should watch this happening, but all that weaving of the gold in that garment probably made. The garment quite heavy, I would I would suppose, but it was also of blue. As he's the king of purple and scarlet, the king who dies to save his people, to shed his blood. And so, on one side you had Reuben, you had Simeon, you had Levi, Judah, Dan, and Naphtali, and on the other side you had Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. But what was this saying? Again, we, we get what it says, but what does it mean? The stones are on His shoulders. And so what's it picturing? Jesus is strong to save. 
When you think of a shoulder, you think of strength. The Bible says in Isaiah, the government is upon his shoulders. You think of putting those 100-pound sacks on your shoulders. You watch people, you see people in some of the third world countries just carrying amazing, not just on the, but also on their heads, but it speaks of strength. The man that I read about that hurt his shoulder early, he wasn't able to lift up those huge stone gods and he thought that was providential. But Jesus has strength to save. He's the Son of God. The sinless sacrifice. That's the breastplate. Now, it's actually a breast piece because it wasn't made of metal. It was made of fabric. But it spoke of the Lord's strength to save. I bear you on eagle's wings and brought you to Myself. Underneath are the everlasting arms. But then you had the breastplate or the breast piece, verses 4 to 17, and you see that in the diagram. But it, it doesn't show the, the, the sparkling of all the jewels, does it? But the, the, you see that the, the sleeveless vest was underneath and the breast piece was attached to the vest. And so they were together. But upon that breast piece was 12 jewels. And from the Hebrew way back 3,000 years ago to the day, we're not exactly sure if, if one gem might have been another, but the point of it is not so much what the gems are, but the color and the value of those gems. They just sparkled. And you know the, 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 the Near Eastern sunlight and just the sparkling of all that. But it, it was over his heart. And so Jesus not only has the strength to save, He has the heart, the mercy to save. He wants to save. But notice they were attached. You know, sometimes you can have a person that wants to help, but they can't. They don't have the strength. They don't have the power. They don't have the, 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 uh, the wealth. But the heart and the shoulders are attached. Jesus wants to save and He's able to save. He's not unlike someone that is able or wants to do something but doesn't want to. Like the rich man that didn't want to help the beggar at his gate. He could have fed that beggar every day. He didn't want to. He had the wealth. He had the ability. But Jesus has the, the desire. He loves us. And He has the power as the Son of God who lived and died for us. The perfect priest. Often if you seen someone drown heard of someone drowning and nobody could save them because they couldn't they couldn't swim or they didn't have the strength to bring the person to land. But we're we're drowning in our sins and we cry out and Jesus is the lifeguard who's willing and able to save us as our high priest. The breast peace. Oh the splash of colors. As he walked among the people they said there's the high priest. He's there and He sympathizes with us. Does He care? Oh yes, He cares. I know He cares. I, he's, his heart is full of my grief. The days are weary and the long nights dreary. I know my Savior cares. But is He able? Yes, He's able. He's able to save us to the uttermost. Has He not forgiven you of your sins if you've called upon Him? Have you not asked Him to give you strength to, to endure another hour, another day. He's able to save you if you come to Him for salvation. He wants to save you and He's able. 
So often people don't want to be saved and don't want to know God. And yet He's available. He's a Savior that walks in and in, in around all of us, just like Aaron the high priest. He wasn't always in the, in the courtyard. Aaron wasn't there 24-7. Of course, he had to sleep, but in many of those hours, he went in and out among the people answering their questions and just being available for them. And Jesus didn't go up on a mountain and, and, keep, and stay there forever. He wasn't in some monastery. The Bible says He walked in and among the people. He was in the synagogues. He was in the homes. He was in the streets. He was available. And the Bible teaches that God makes salvation available to us, to the rich and to the poor. He didn't tell everybody, you must, you must sacrifice a bull. A bull was expensive as it is today. He said to the poor, you can offer a dove. How kind God is. Jesus spoke to the poor, not just to the rich. He said, how hardly shall a rich man enter the kingdom of God? But things impossible with men are possible with God. Not a lot of people can have a lot of wealth and be humble with it. But there are some that can. Interestingly, inside this, this, this uh, breast piece was doubled so it had a pocket. Maybe you have a, a, uh, um, a jacket or, uh, I'm thinking of something, under the jacket. It's got, you know, you know, it's got the pocket in there. The, the sweatshirt with the pocket in there, those come in handy. Well, kind of something like that. And it's a little mysterious, but it says there were probably two stones inside. It was kind of like drawing lots. But the Urim and Thummim, verse 30, speaks of usually the high priest would be approached by someone who had a question that they couldn't answer. And so it was kind of like drawing lots, like we would say drawing straws or. And many times that was, that, that was done in order to get an answer from the Lord. But now, obviously, He's given us all of His words, so we don't need to draw lots. Or, but that was inside the, uh, the breast piece. But what does that teach us again about Jesus? That Jesus has the wisdom to answer all of our questions and needs. He's the wonder of a counselor. The Bible says even at 12 years old, they were astonished at His understanding and answers. There are situations of uncertainty in our lives and we just don't know where to turn and where to go. The Bible says, come to Me, Jesus said. In Him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Remember what the woman at the well said to her people? Come see a man that told Me all things ever that I did. Jesus is the one that bears the judgment of the children of Israel. And again, the hem of His garment, there's something there, isn't there? On the hem of the priest's garment, you see in the diagram, golden bells and pomegranates. As the the high priest walked around, they swished. You could see see the, the, the colorful fruit, but you could also hear the bells. I don't think that the 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 the, uh, the pomegranates were there just to muffle the bells. The whole point of the bells was to hear the bells. And what does it say about the fruit and the bells? 
about Jesus as He comes and goes. The bells, good news. When you think of bells being rung, normally it's good news, right? Cindy had bells when we were going door to door caroling this. I would hope that as people heard the bells, it was good news. Good news is coming to your door. We're singing about the Lord. I know it was good news to me to hear them. But you know, to see, to, to, to know that we ring the bell before the service, I hope, you know, I suppose some people in town are saying, that bell, you wake me up. But you know, one of these days, I hope that somebody hears the bells from the bell tower and it's good news to them. We're just trying to say, look, the doors are open. We you come and hear God's Word? It's good news that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But He also had the fact, not only was it good news, it was news that would be fruitful, would be successful. So you had the pomegranates with the bells. So you have the bells and the fruit, the bell and the fruit, the bell and the fruit. In other words, Jesus did not come in vain to save. He didn't die in vain. He has saved millions and He's going to save many more people. He will save His people from their sins. Saved sinners are the fruit of Jesus' work. His life and death was good news. And He has borne fruit when He saves people from their sins. I can say I was once blind, but now I see. I was a filthy, rotten, obnoxious, selfish sinner. And the Lord turned my heart. Oh, I'm still a sinner saved by grace. I wish I could be closer to the Lord and, and more like Him when He came into the world to save sinners. Remember the woman with the disease? She said, if I just touch the hem of His garment, I will be healed. What a picture. If I just trust in His, in his life, I'll be saved. If I just trust in His life and His death, that's the picture. Touching the hem of Jesus' garment. You're touching Christ in His saving work. And you'll never be cast away. The turban, verse 36, speaks of holiness to the Lord. He was holy and harmless and separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. He bears the guilt of His people. In other words, it's, the high priest was saying, even though we're all unholy, through Christ that He was object lesson of, He's the one that causes unholy people to become holy. Jesus was the Lamb without blemish and spot. Jesus was the one who was proven to have no fault at all. But I, who have millions of faults, millions of sins, Jesus came to save. But Hebrews goes on to tell us we're not offering animals and birds anymore. This is not an altar. Aren't you glad we don't have to bring bulls and goats and lambs and turtle doves? There's there's an altar burning. No. Jesus caused the fire to burn out. The wrath of God was exhausted in Christ. And we know that He was suffering the fire of God's wrath because of Remember his cry, Father or God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was taking the lightning as the lightning rod. And at that point he was on fire as it were. He was burning from from suffering God's righteous indignation that you and I deserve. Just like when they put that animal on the altar, the offer would stand there and say, I deserve that. 
why does that innocent victim have to go up in flames and smoke? Because it was picturing Jesus. He had to go up in flame and smoke, or else we would go up in flame or smoke. And that's a truth. John says he looked over and saw the smoke of their torment arising forever and ever. Are you trusting in Jesus? We have a great high priest that's passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. He's alive and He's seated at God's right hand. and He knows our need. He cares for us. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. The devil threw everything at Christ. Just like the, 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 uh, the dynasty sports team to try to defeat that team, they throw everything at it. The devil knew he had to throw everything at Christ because he was the Son of God and a sinless Savior. Don't say, well, he was perfect, so how could he feel with me when I'm tempted? Oh, he can feel with you unbelievably because he was attacked relentlessly over and over and over again by devils and demons and people that continued to castigate him and blaspheme him. And at the end, had anyone ever suffered like Jesus? He was, he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities because He's equipped with the solution to our sufferings. He has wisdom from Scripture to tell us how to react in our situations. We have His example in history. We have prayer, prayer, prayer. He's interceding for us. He teaches us when we're to run from our temptations and when we're to face them. He is the high priest that's filled with wisdom, with sympathy, with strength. He's available to help us. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I like that expression, in time of need, can be translated in the nick of time. You ever been somewhere where you need something now? You need help now. Jesus can come now because He's not only seated in heaven as the man Christ Jesus, He's the Son of God who is present everywhere. He forever pleads His priesthood and His blood. This man, But this man, because he continueth forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. He's able to save... You say, well, he was able to save then. What about now? He is able to save them to the uttermost or completely that come unto God by Him. Now is the idea, seeing He ever lives to make intercession for them. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the majesty of the heavens. We don't look for, to sacrifice anymore, neither by the blood of bulls and goats, but by His own blood He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now those people in the Old Testament knew those animals couldn't save them. They had to repeat those sacrifices over and over again. Every year... The high priest had to go in the holiest, the, the inner compartment, the inner apartment. They knew that the blood of, of bulls and goats and birds could not take away their sins. They knew as an object lesson of some great sacrifice to come. And they taught them because they had the Bible that there is going to come a man 
who's going to be the Messiah, who's going to be the Son of God. He's going to live and die for you. And all those years they were wondering, when is He going to come? When are we going to have to stop offering bulls? And you think they enjoyed that? They had to take these animals from their herds. He couldn't wait until the time came. And what does the Bible say? In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son. Remember the shepherds in the fields? They still have pictures. And outside Bethlehem, there are still fields where shepherds are. And the angels appeared and said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. Unto you this is born in this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Thank God the day is coming very soon. There will be no more bulls and goats and lambs and birds. By one sacrifice forever this man will offer. Because they had a repeating of guilt and fear over and over again. But when Jesus died and was buried and rose from the dead, He could say, Peace be unto you to His disciples. We can know that our guilt and our sin can be assuaged in Him. All I have to do is now ask Him. I don't have to offer an animal. Lord, forgive me. I believe You lived and died for me. Your blood is ever precious, ever pure. Forgive my sin, Lord. Forgive my pride. Forgive my idolatry. Forgive my lust. Forgive my greed. Forgive my lies. And He does. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It seems so good, too good to be true. The blood of Christ who offered Himself without spot to God by the eternal Spirit will purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hebrews 9.14 He entered into heaven itself, the Bible tells us. When Jesus ascended on that ascension Thursday, it says He passed through the heavens. The disciples watched Him. And the angels said, Stop looking up into heaven. Get busy. You've got a Savior that's alive and resurrected and ascended. And the Bible says when He went into heaven, what did He do? He had to keep walking around. He was nervous. He didn't finish. The Bible says He sat down. Do you know what was missing in the tabernacle? Chairs were missing. The priests were always on their feet because the work had not been done. They were all pictures of what Christ would do. But as soon as Christ finished the work and died and rose from the dead and went to heaven, He sat down in the right hand of God. No more work to do. Except now to plead His work. To preach His work. To plead for people to trust in His priesthood. There's no repeat now. We are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. He's the priest. From henceforth now, he's expecting his enemies to become his footstool. There's the mixed metaphor. He's the king and the priest. And he's the prophet. He's sending believers and preachers throughout the world today to preach his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus is the highest priest, the last priest. By Him let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually.
You and I are called living sacrifices and every day we ask, Lord, help me to now deny myself and, and to live for You. May we trust in the Lord Jesus, our great High Priest, who is the priest, is the sacrifice, and is the altar. And He saves us forever. Not just in time, but in eternity. Lord Jesus, thank You that You are real. Lord, we pray that You would bless Your Word today. You could preached it. Lord, we want one day to listen to You preach these truths. But yet, you, you use stammering, finite, sinful beings to communicate Your truth. And Lord, You said that this glorifies You. I pray that Your Word would not return without effect. Please turn our hearts to You. Throughout the world, save souls. and Restore those that are walking away from You. Change us more into Your image. Lord, may we not live in fear and guilt. We constantly plead Your blood. and We're thankful, Lord, that You don't have to repeat the offering. You don't have to die again. So strong, so loving was Your sacrifice. It was once for all. And I thank You, Father, that You received Your Son. You raised Him from the dead. And You accept us when we trust Him. And so please keep working, Lord. Keep us from sin. Help us to walk in the light of Your Word. And to glorify Your name. For Jesus' sake, Amen. Let's close together by singing number is in the black book. Number 14 in the black hymnal. Hymns modern and ancient. Before the throne of God, we're pleading that Jesus is the high priest. Number 14.